Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. TIKA.com. The Book of Joe podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the Book of Joe podcast with me, Tom Verducci, with Sports Illustrated, Fox Sports, and MLB Network, and three time manager of the year, Joe Madden. Joe, we're deep into the postseason now. How you doing? I'm doing well, buddy. How you doing? I think you're on a late flight last night, and you have that beautiful 9.15 a.m. voice working for you right now. Yeah, well, adrenaline is a wonderful <laughs> thing this time of year, isn't it? You know how yeah. it goes. It is. It's amazing uh, when you just uh, reflect on your day. How did I do that? Or how did I get up for that particular moment? How did I find the energy? But you do somehow. You do. And, hey, we've had a lot of really good baseball games, tight, well-played games, pitching to me, has been ruling this postseason. The Major League batting average this postseason is just 211. You thought it was tough to get a hit during the regular season? It is tough now. And I want to start with the Houston Astros in that series against the mm-hmm. Yankees, Joe, because we know they've got firepower, right? But their pitching has just been spectacular this postseason. Their team's only hitting 229, and yet they've won five consecutive games, and now they've taken a 2-0 lead on the New York Yankees. Um, So here's what I see quickly on the Houston Mm -hmm. Astros. First, I like the matchup. And listen, you matched up against Houston a lot. You know this team really well over the last three years in the same division in the American League West. Their right-handed pitching it just really neutralizes the Yankees' right-handed power. This year, the Yankees' right-handed batters are hitting a buck seventy-five off Houston's right-handed pitching. And the other thing I see is the way the Astros are spinning the baseball. I mean, it is crazy. They're pitchers this postseason, and I've never seen this. They're throwing 48% breaking balls. Game one against the Yankees, 47%. Game two, 51% breaking balls. I've never heard that. A majority of their pitches against the Yankees in game two were breaking pitches, and the Yankees are three for 35 against it. So I got to give the Houston Astros credit for their pitching staff and what they're doing. Yeah, where do you begin with all that? Because I you know, I cannot agree with you more. Coming into this whole postseason, I had them 
they were my pick to click, and it was based on their pitching, like you're talking. They got some nice offensive players, but they win one nothing. what, in 18 innings? They win last night 3-2 to two on one home run, and they made a couple mistakes, actually, the pitcher did. Uh, you haven't even seen a lot of their guys. I mean, uh, uh, Javier is one of my favorite pitchers, and then Garcia with the funky windup. Uh, but the breaking ball component, um, and we've talked about this. We talked about in the book the increased usage in um, in a postseason and how it plays out. And part of it is, I mean, I don't even know to what extent because I wasn't paying that close attention, but how much of it is a, a ball strike breaking ball? How much is it a strike to ball breaking ball that are, guys are chasing? Um, uh, they have to have that all down. You know the chase rates of each one of the particular Yankee hitters, and they felt that that was the best way to attack them, obviously. Then you have to command it. Like I said, it's it's one thing to to throw a ball that uh, a breaking ball that begins as a ball and becomes a strike, and that's probably an early count kind of a pitch. And then here comes the one in the later part of the count when you want them to chase, and it looks like a strike and then becomes a ball. And then furthermore, just sometimes they have heat maps with umpires too and how they're going to react to different pitches. So... Um, you have to be able to command it. You have to be able to do it. Um, it's, you know, that's part of analytics that I've talked about that's outstanding because pitching, uh, the stuff that they get is accurate and they're proactive. And we're talking about the hitters and not just in the playoffs, but in general, uh, get very little uh, help or use from this kind of stuff. So that's what you're seeing, just a really talented group of Houston pitchers and, and their attack. And, um, their ability to command this pitch. And again, that's that's really special. Yeah, and that game, too, really swung on two swings. One by Alex Bregman into the Crawford boxes. Didn't really crush that. It was exit velo of about 92 miles an hour. But that's what Alex Bregman does. You look at his numbers. He's a dead pole hitter, especially at home with the Crawford boxes there. He takes the knob to the baseball. He's so quick. Short arm guy, short stroke. You cannot beat him inside. Wasn't a terrible pitch, but to me, it was a bad pitch to Bregman in that ballpark. That's exactly what he's looking to do. And the other swing was by Aaron Judge. And off the bat, maybe you thought that ball was going out. Kyle Tucker catches it at the wall. And I know the wind probably had something to do with that. We saw some fly balls earlier get knocked down. I mean, it's only the second time they've played a game there in Houston with the roof open. But you know what, Joe? You know this. That's decided before the game. You know, you can't be belly aching after the game. Though, if the roof is closed, that ball's out, Yankees win. Just stop it because everybody knew the, the rules of engagement. The roof was open. I've heard a lot of people complain in past years when the weather's been nice. Why don't they open the roof? Well, this is what baseball is. It's played outdoors for the most part, and you deal with the conditions as they were. No surprises. Same for both teams. It just happened to work out that way. Yeah, you put the roof on there for a reason, the retractable roof for moments like that. Um, revisionist history, I've always gotten a kick out of that. It could have been, would have, should have been outcome bias, all the different thoughts that you have. Um, yeah, I mean, the pitch to, I saw the, uh, I was watching the game. I thought the ball got in on Bregman a little bit from uh, the replay. And he just muscled it over that left field wall. It's not that far to begin with. And it was elevated. And he likes the ball up. He's got a real flat swing. And he does a nice job with that pitch. A little bit like Evan Longoria. Maybe not as, obviously not as big. But the same kind of approach as Evan. And then the other ball goes the other way and doesn't leave. And again, you can't complain 100% right. I mean, everybody knows the rules of engagement. Uh, the roof was open for a reason. Because we paid a lot of money so that it can open. And that the people of Houston, if they come to a playoff game or a game early in the season can sit there and watch a game just as you as you would have as though like back in the days of the Houston Colt 45. So I think it's uh, I think it's good. 
Again, it creates discussion, controversy, etc. But the revisionist man, I'm not into it. Um, same thing happens in Toronto. Toronto's ballpark, when that roof is closed, the ball really carries. And I've been there, roof open, and actually roof open on a sunny day. It's really hot, tough to see. It's very bright in there. Again, uh, same for both sides, and uh, just the way it is. And uh, and that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. But again, uh, uh, yeah, the, the ball maybe was impacted to left field for Bregman, and it was not, and it was impacted in another way to write for Judge. Okay, let me put you in the shoes of, of Aaron Boone now. You're going home down 2 nothing. Your task now, you need to win four out of five games against the Houston Astros to get to the World Series, right? That, that's a tough mm-hmm. task. But, you know, you look at the way that the Guardians stretched them in the division series. They couldn't go in with the pitching lined up. You've got Matt Carpenter coming off the IL for the first time in weeks trying to find his stroke. You've got Giancarlo Stanton back in the outfield for the first time in weeks. You've got Harrison Bader leading off. You've got all these things that Boone is trying to do on the fly to get his team against the number one seed, the Houston Astros. Now you're down 2 nothing. Uh, Joe, how do you, as a manager, prepare for getting back home and getting back into the series with your group? Well, you just keep a positive uh, tone about the clubhouse, absolutely. And um, and I've always talked about and we have the power of 24 hours. The games they've lost, they've been I – mean, they're no blowouts by any means. And yesterday's game could have gone either way, and so could have the first game. So they're not getting blown out in spite of the fact they had a tough series against uh, Cleveland and um, and their pitching was not lined up perfectly, although they've got really good pitching performances against Houston. Uh, they have the right guys thrown when they go back home. And the different layers of depth are showing up um, with the Yankees. Uh, and again, you can't talk about this. I mean, they're missing some very key ingredients. But the guys they put out there, like Bader coming off uh, of his, his issues early on, and now he's having a great uh, postseason, the shortstop yesterday, that play that he made coming in on that slow roller really demonstrated in one moment uh, why they like this kid so much for the Yankees. Um, so they got they have they have players they got talent they're hanging in there in spite of all these issues and I think if they just keep a positive method about him which I, I know Booney really well he will um, it, it's it's not over man I mean just by winning the first game that which they really need to do in New York they they win that first game the the mindset changes and all of a sudden you can gather some momentum and they need to do that there's just no getting around it on the other hand the pitchers Houston have left to start are outstanding. They're really good. I don't care where they're pitching. So it's probably going to be another uh, close game. Um, The Yankees need a low scoring game because I don't see them blowing up Houston's pitching. So they got to pitch really well. And it's, it's got to come down to another three, two, four, three, two, one kind of a thing. And you can't make any mistakes on defense either. Yeah. Let's remember too. uh, There's no Aroldis Chapman on the New York roster. Now he wasn't really good towards the end of the season anyway, but this reminds me of a story and it's a great story that it is in our book, the book of Joe, about how and when to discipline your players. We'll get to that right after this. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. 
the all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Does sleeping hot keep you up at night? Meet the Lisa Chill Collection. These cooling mattresses work like magic with a cool-to-the-touch cover, zoned springs, and comfy foam layers. Say goodbye to restless nights and wake up refreshed. Lisa's Chill Mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers that whisk away heat, so you always sleep just right. These hybrids blend up to 1,032 breathable springs and plush foams for the ultimate cooling and comfort. And the Chill Collection doesn't just feel great, it looks great, too with thoughtful design and pillowy quilt tops. No matter your budget, Lisa has a chill mattress for you. For a limited time, save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash iHeart. With Lisa, your purchase has purpose. Every year, Lisa donates thousands of mattresses to those in need. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Welcome back to the Book of Joe podcast. This is Tom Perducci with Joe Madden. And Joe, I mentioned Aroldis Chapman, who missed a mandatory workout before the postseason began, was not placed on the New York roster because of that. Now listen, he might have not not have had a spot on the roster anyway. He had been ineffective late in the season, really trying to find some things mechanically, but that was the last straw. And one of the things I think people really need to know about the book of Joe, our book, is there's an incredible amount of stories. And listen, you've been through a lot in your day, Joe, both in the minor leagues and the major leagues. And I thought it was really both funny and fascinating when you talked about being a young manager and disciplining players. And of course, I'm going back to Peoria, 1984, the Peoria Chiefs, and an outfielder that you had by the name of Jay Lewis. <laughs> I want you to tell this story for two reasons. It has some uh, application to disciplining major league players, but mostly I think it, it gives people a little bit of a window uh, of some of the color and depth and just funny stories that are in our book. Yeah, that happened in Peoria, 1984. Jay Lewis, uh, outfielder from, I think, a JC in Oklahoma, signed by Lou Snip. Love Jay. Uh, a great personality, um, really a good guy and, and great on the team. Anyway, one night there was a, uh, I found out in advance, there's uh, Aurelio Monteguto, my pitching coach, told me about um, uh, a Van Halen concert coming into town and how much of a Van Halen fan Jay Lewis was. And so I, that was just on the radar. And all of a sudden, here comes the night of the concert. And of course, Jay calls in sick. Uh, so all of a sudden the wheels are set in motion. Uh, here we go because, uh, Monty as usual was right on the money. So I had, um, uh, Richard Zaleski, our trainer, um, 
I wanted Richard to call and, and find out if, if Jay was at home right when the game had begun. And of course, there was no answer to the phone call. So I then had uh, Richard actually drive to his house or his apartment and find out, just knock on the door, make sure he can't say that we, he didn't hear the phone, et cetera. And there was no answer there either. Uh, so of course, it was all uh, what we had thought was true was true. But anyway, the I had to verify this. So the next day, uh, Jay Bird comes in and he sits down and we start talking. And um, I said, hey, Jay, where were you? I said, I was home. I was sick, whatever. And I said, well, we called and I had Richard stop by to see you. And there's no answer and there's nobody at the I must have been out. I must have been out picking up some medicine, whatever, and trying to make the excuses that we all would make. And finally I asked him, Jay, don't insult my intelligence. How was the concert? And Jay looked at me, really had that uh, mischievous look about him. The best concert I've ever been to. And, and <laughs> I, 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 I don't even remember if I started laughing or not, but I reacted wrong. Because at that point, I should have just went with it. We should have fined him 25 bucks or whatever, but ended up being the release of, of Jay Lewis. And I called, I think, Mike Port, and I was so upset. I was too young. I didn't know how to deal or handle that particular moment. And I, this is an apology. Hopefully, Jay's might be listening to this because that shouldn't have happened that way. But that was typical. The best concert I've ever attended. I should have just laughed, fined him 25 bucks and moved on. Uh, but I did not. Oh, I love this story. Also, not just for Jay, but for you. I mean, being a young manager, right? As you said, you might have done things differently with a little more experience. Right. And, and I look around these postseason games, Joe, I see a lot of experience. You know, Robert Thompson is baseball lifer getting his first shot at managing, but he's been around the block a few times. Bob Melvin, he actually has the fourth most wins of any manager who has not won a pennant. He obviously has done a great job over the years. And of course, Dusty Baker looking for his work, first World Series ring. And Aaron Boone is kind of the exception to the Final Four here. You know, hired for the first time without managing experience for the Yankees. He's brought them to the postseason every year. Um, but it's it's interesting to watch these veteran guys running these games. And, you know, nothing's going to get by them. You know, they've been around the block. And I think about Bob Melvin, too. A quick story for you. I don't know if you're superstitious. Uh, let's say routine-oriented is probably okay. a better word, right, Joe? Yes. But Bob Melvin, during a game, will pop a hard candy in his mouth in every odd inning. One, three, five, seven, nine. And in the ninth inning, it has to be a root beer barrel brown hard candy. Why brown? It's the Padres. When he was with the Oakland A's, it was either green or yellow. And this all goes back to 2001. He was the bench coach, Game 7, 2001 World Series. He's the bench coach for Bob Brenly with the D-backs. And before the ninth inning, Bob Brenly put a brown root beer barrel hard candy in his mouth. We know what happened then. <laughs> Incredible comeback against Mariano Rivera. So this is what he does. If you, if you happen to the cameras catch him before the ninth inning, he will pop a brown root beer barrel hard candy into his mouth. And lo and behold, this year, what team has the most walk-off wins? San Diego Padres with 12. How about you? Did, did you have something? That's comfort food for Bob. I could absolutely see that. It's just, like you said, a part of the routine. My only thing was, uh, I'd be in the minor leagues, you know, you would do some stupid stuff, wear the same sanitaries for days and, it would start stinking up the place. And even though Tommy Kochman, a great manager and good friend, would put him in a plastic bag to, <laughs> to, to spare everybody. I mean, it's really a horrible. But for me, I put the same sock and shoe on. I mean, the left sock and left shoe on first. 
all the time. And I still do that. Uh, I mean, I did it this morning with my, my Uggs before I came downstairs and put the left sock. When I go play golf, it'll be left sock, left shoe first before we go to the right and right. I, I can't give you the genesis of that. Uh, I, back in the day, uh, yeah, as a young manager, you'd have to like, you'd, you'd win a game and try to remember everything you had done that day uh, in order to do it again the next day. And that became really, really uh, difficult uh, on me personally. So eventually I said, that's enough. Uh, no more of these uh, little, just being a little stitches. No more of that. Just keep moving it forward. Stop doing that to yourself. So I just settled on one thing, left sock, left shoe first, and then go on with my day. I love that. Not be superstitious, not even be a little stitious. Little stitious. That's it. That's all. <laughs> uh, That's all. I got to call you on something. This is probably not superstitious, but what do you got? 2002, the Angels are going to the seventh game. They're going to win the World Series. And you've got your mm-hmm. old Angels hat, which is a favorite of your dad, your dad's hat, mm-hmm. old Angels hat, periwinkle blue, I think. Correct. And you brought it out with you in the dugout to see, so your dad could see the last out of the Angels World Championship. And then it also played a role in 2016 with the Cubs, correct? Correct. Yeah, my dad passed away in 2002. And uh, he had, he'd worn this hat in the shop, the plumbing shop downstairs. That was his hat. So when I went home for the um, funeral, I brought the hat back with me, put it in my bag. And and that hat has been the every game ever since that day when I brought it back. Um, And I have it upstairs right now in my uh, backpack. But that, on the, the day in, in uh, you're talking about 2002, I kept it up in my locker during the game and um, all the games. But I'd run up there, touch it when things got kind of hot. But that particular, the seventh game required more than that. I went up and got it. And really, right around the time that we did come back, uh, when uh, Ortiz was pitching, came it back down and put it underneath my books. They built these, me a little desk there in the corner of the dugout because so, I was I laid out all my stuff back then and uh, put it underneath there so it could face the field and he could actually see the action. And I did. And if, and he was there uh, for that fly ball to Ersty. And then, of course, I, I left it there, which really panicked me because I had to find it right after, after the celebration. And then in 2016, rain delay. I go upstairs. Um, it's in my bag. I had a, some kind of, I think I had my hoodie on. Took it and stuffed the hat, you know, down the back of your pants where your belt is, and it keeps it in there nice and snug. So I brought him back out uh, for that final moment of the uh, World Series victory in 2016. To my dad was such an avid uh, fan of any sport. He used to watch roller derby if it was on, but uh, <laughs> it was important for him to be there. And uh, you know, that's the one thing I've, of all the things that have happened in my professional life is the fact that my dad saw me as an interim manager a couple times, but never saw me as an actual manager of a team. And um, that's too bad because him and my uncles, the biggest fans ever. But point is my dad was there for the last out in 2002 and 2016 with me on the bench. Oh, that is so cool. Well, you know, I always say, you know, that rain delay really worked in the Cubs' favor in Game 7, 2016. You know, some people said it would have taken an act of God for the Cubs to win a World Series one day. Well, there you had it. I, You know, I remember myself being downstairs. I was in the photo well right next to the Cubs' dugout. Uh, and let me tell you, after the home run by Rajay Davis, that team was flat. It was stunned. And I'll never forget when that team came back to the dugout after that meeting they had and that brief rain delay, it was like 
a high school football team taking the field on Friday night. That's how loud, that's how energized that team was. Of course, Schwarber gets the leadoff base hit, and he's like the captain of the high school football team his whole life. Uh, and it was off and running from there. So the energy that took place in that on the Cubs side of the field, I can tell you I felt it. It was palpable. I don't know if you felt it, but I sure did, Joe. Of course, yeah, I did. I mean, coming out of the dugout, coming out of the clubhouse of the dugout, I said, whoa. I mean, it was absolutely on fire. The guys are ready to go. And you're right, Schwerbs is the uh, spearheaded that whole group. I mean, you're right. This is a captain of a football team. And he did. He got on base. And then we ran for him. And uh, Moore did his job, too. So it was just a, a unique moment in time and history as a, uh, within the sport itself. For me, on a personal level, being able to observe it, your guys doing exactly that. Um, <laughs> once once in a century kind of moment, I guess, and uh, really fortunate to have been part of that, man. Very cool. Hey, listen, you know, I know, any fan knows, one of the toughest things to do in postseason baseball is to come from behind and win a game. Well, the Padres did that in game two, the NLCS, and we'll dive into that. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.
Welcome back to the Book of Joe podcast. I mentioned the come from behind win by San Diego in game two. They were down for nothing. I mean, that is a Mount Everest in a postseason environment mm-hmm. to try to come back from four. And yet they did. Came from behind to win 8-3, even that series at 1-1. Uh, really interesting comeback, Joe. And usually you think about scratching out some hits, maybe walk, move the guy over, get him in. It began with two swings on two fastballs back-to-back, Brandon Drury and Josh Bell. Now all of a sudden the Padres are back in the game. So give me an idea when you're in that postseason game, that environment, when – Let's face it. It was really Reese Hoskins who told me this. He said, man, my first postseason, it feels like a walk is a rally. Like the crowd gets into it looking for anything to get them going. That happened in San Diego. So as a manager, you've got a team coming from behind. How do you play it out? Yeah, it's 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 very difficult. Uh, first of all, the, it's great to get on top. Normally, the team that scores first, uh, the percentage of that team winning a game, whether it's playoffs or regular season, with one of my um, – edicts with the group I always want to score first and score last and I think that really uh, normally sets you up for success uh, in a situation like that to get down by four points ah, and especially against the pitcher like Nola that is really a, a very difficult thought but I mean the fact that they struck back with the long ball that absolutely energized the, the dugout and by the way Drury to me is going to be is one of the unsung uh, members of this cast everybody is highlighting other players on this team. I'm a big fan there. Um, I was a really big fan. Uh, we were hoping to get him in Anaheim last year. It didn't work out. But uh, I've been a, when this guy was in Arizona, uh, I like this fella a lot. So just be heads up with him. But to do that, and then, of course, Nola on Nola. <laughs> wow, how about the conversations and Thanksgiving and Christmas with that? Uh, that, was a, that was a pretty interesting and big moment. But to be able to turn the tide so quickly, was important uh, to continue to chip away, uh, having to do that against bullpen, bullpen, bullpen. The latter part of the game may have become more difficult, but to flip it so quickly is exactly what you probably need to do in that moment. And it was very interesting to watch. And then all of a sudden, uh, advantage comes back to the other team with the Padres. So uh, interesting game. Uh, the home run's very uplifting in that moment, but Brother on brother, big knock to right central. That is kind of an interesting part of this whole uh, playoff picture right now. Oh, man, you're you're speaking my language. I've got two older brothers. And when Austin Nola got that hit, I was thinking, man, that this is like big brother wins a game. This is playing mm-hmm. one-on-one in the driveway or 21 right. or it's playing strikeout at the local schoolyard. Whatever it is, man, as a little brother, you're always trying to beat your big brother. And big brother got him again this time. In a huge moment, I thought, because Kim is taken off, or Kim is taken off from first base on a straight steal. It's a two strike count, right? And Austin was just committed to putting the ball in play. You could see that he's done that throughout the postseason. And, and Kim, obviously, he's taken off. There's no sense in trying to read the ball if it's a line drive and it's caught. He's going to be out anyway. He keeps right. going, and right. man, he's flying around the bases. And uh, wow. That was sort of like you see an avalanche beginning to grow. Yep. Uh, that was when it began. Well, how about just the fact that if your brother gets that hit, I mean, what does that do to you on the mound in, 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 in such a big moment of a, a Major League Baseball playoff game? Obviously, that had to be a little bit buckling uh, to, to Aaron Nola, the, the pitcher at that particular moment. And uh, that there's, there's all these complicating factors that occur just by brother hitting line drive to right central beyond 
just a base hit to right center. Yeah, and you know what? In that sequence, in that inning, you know they were getting some well-struck hits off of Nola. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you look, I'm mm-hmm. not sure if you look at this when you're watching a pitcher and oh, yeah. deciding when to take him out, but it wasn't just they were getting some hits. They were squaring balls up repeatedly, and Rob Thompson did not want to go to his best lefty, which was Alvarado, uh, because he thought it was a little too early. He also mentioned that Alvarado had pitched the night before. I didn't quite get that. If you're going to use him anyway, you know, what's the difference? And he was going to use him if he had a lead late. So he tried to navigate that fifth inning by leaving Nola in a little longer, which is I don't have a problem with. Nola is one of your best pitchers. Sure. Uh, and, and his choice, though, was Brad Hand rather than Alvarado, and then the game got away. Well, part of it might just be Alvarado may have not gotten through his whole routine to that particular point and was may not have been able to get ready in time. Uh, hand may have been alerted. Yeah, he didn't get him up at yeah. all. I mean, he got he got hand up as Soto was yeah. coming up. So it was trust in Nola, and then hey, it's too early to go to Alvarado. I want hand on Cronenworth, and he figured that's my third out. Sure. Uh, then I can get hand out and go to my righties. But then yeah. he hit him with a pitch, and obviously with the three-batter rule, Yep. He had to leave right. hand in there against Drury, which is not a matchup he would want at any point. Correct. I mean, all the all those things conspire in that moment. But um, it's hard all the time. Like, unless you really had that before the inning began, and that kind of happened pretty quickly overall, um, that I'm going to have Alvarado ready if it gets to this guy in the fifth inning. Now, I, I would say if that was the sixth game of the series or the seventh game of the series, it may have been different. You might have seen uh, Alvarado uh, prepared at that particular moment, but under the circumstances, with the one-game lead, and we're you know we've already got that in our back pocket, uh, they may have chosen to play it out this way. And I, I'm certain that Robbie had thought about that before the game began, that I'm going to work my lefties this way in this particular game, and um, I, I, I don't fault him for that at all. It's it's hard to um, have your guy ready in so many different innings especially that early in the series. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, it's it's not a second guess. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, the three batter rule really kind of blew up on Thompson there because, yeah, I agree. Fifth inning in game two is really not the spot for Alvarado. It was hand on Cronenworth, but it blew up once the hit by pitch brought up Drury. And I'm glad you brought up Brandon Drury, by the way. It's a great story. You know, you mentioned the Angels wanted to sign him. He was literally driving to Angels camp, to your camp. Mm-hmm. He had no offers last year, so he signs a minor league deal, and he's going to the Angels camp, and his agent says, hey, listen, we just got a call from the Reds. Mm-hmm. And Brandon's like, you know what? I think I've got a better chance of playing in Cincinnati than I do at the Angels. He's ba- he's in Reno, Nevada, on his way to spring training. So, you know, he basically starts turning the car towards uh, the Reds camp, signs with the Reds, they have three guys get hurt before opening day. He becomes their opening day third baseman. The best part of the story, though, is that Brandon was one of these guys, hit well early in his career, and then he started chasing launch angle. He got really buried and overwhelmed with the mechanics of trying to loft the baseball. And as he said, for three years, I literally forgot how to hit. And it was after the 2020 season, he went back home to Oregon, and he hit with his dad. His dad is his hitting coach. And he went back to just being athletic, which he's always been, and a more natural swing. And it actually, he hit well last year with the New York Mets, just didn't really have an opportunity to play very much. And you're seeing it now. This guy is a force, especially against left-handed pitching. Uh, he he is a sneaky, dangerous hitter. 
in that lineup for San Diego. But I love the story. A, a guy basically went back to square one with his dad, almost like, you know, in the backyard as a kid. Simplify things, get away from the mechanics of launch angle. Uh, and he's an important part of their lineup. Yeah, I didn't and by even, the I, way, by the way, I got to add this too. Uh-huh. Very humble guy. Really? I mean, if you're watching these Fox broadcasts, we're able to talk to some players in game. Uh-huh. You know, a dude hits a home run. We can ask him in the dugout. Hey, tell me about that sequence there. What were you looking for? Well, Brandon hits a home run and I go up to him because, you know, you really have to, you can't spring it on these guys. You got to get their permission. And Brandon's like, you know, I really <laughs> would rather not do it. You know, he's such a humble right. guy. And I was like, that's cool. And he actually came back around and he apologized to me. He's like, I'm really sorry, but I, you know, I'm not really good on camera. And I said, dude, it's fine. You're playing a baseball game in the NLCS. We only want to do what you want to do. Don't sweat it. Yeah, I'm a fan. I, I didn't realize that uh, he chased launch angle because I guess I've only seen him good. Um, and so the, the the time between when I saw him, well, and I didn't see him, I guess those were those years when he was chasing the launch angle. Uh, but I'm a big fan and this guy can hit. Um, he could really hit. He could hit good pitching. Um, he could shock you. He's going to hit the ball far. Uh, he'll move a ball with two strikes. Um, he's a tough out. He's just a tough out and a good baseball player. So I'm happy for his success. Yeah, I'm always happy, too, to see these guys who get their first opportunity to play postseason baseball. I think of Gene Segura and Hoskins with the Phillies. You've got a whole bunch of them with the Padres and the Phillies groups. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me, Joe, of one of the great maddenisms, I call them, in our book, The Book of Joe. See it with first-time eyes. I, I love that because if you can do that, no matter what you're doing, we're not talking about baseball here. This is mm-hmm. sort of a life lesson here where everything you see is fresh. You don't take things for granted. That's when, you're, when your brain is most active, right? You're, you're experiencing something. You're, you're burning these, these images and smells and sights yep. in your brain, seeing it for a first time. If you can do that, no matter what you're doing, it's pretty cool. And it, you know, it reminds me, Joe, of when you get your first car, right? You, know, you might wind up with a lot of cars in your lifetime, but there's nothing even to this day <laughs> like your first car. And for me... A 1973 Plymouth Satellite. Nice. 1100 bucks, paid cash for it with money I'd saved on summer jobs. Um, and, man, it was not the prettiest thing in the world. It had some rust on the hood. But, you know, those were like the old police cars, Joe. And that, that thing could run. That had some power behind it. So I think about that car, and it, it's nothing you'd see in an auto show sparkling. And oh, isn't that cool? But. You know, because it was my first car, I'll always think of a 73 Plymouth Satellite as something really cool. How about you? Nice, nice pick. I mean, for me, um, the first car I actually had was a 1953 Chevy uh, that was a coal car. Uh, my dad bought it for 25 bucks and it was a three on a tree and twice the brakes failed me. Once going down a hill by 22nd Street, almost ended up in the woods. And during snowstorms, um, I used to like to take it out uh, and drive it into piles of snow and then try to get out by going in reverse. Like nobody on the streets. I'm in Hazleton. I mean, it's really a horrific snowstorm. Fantastic. So I go out there with this 53 Chevy, three on a tree, all by myself, no radio, barely the heater works. And I found it to be a lot of fun to drive it into large snow bags. And it's even with telephone poles like packed inside. I don't even know what I was thinking, but. I would do that, and it was so much fun to drive that thing around. Uh, eventually, it rusted out so bad, the floorboards came out, whatever. But the 53 Chevy, I think it was a Bel Air, with a three on the tree for 25 bucks, uh, something I'll never forget. I love it. 
see it with first-time eyes. eyes. It's great advice. And so is read the Book of Joe and listen to the Book of Joe podcasts. We'll be back with you with another episode next time. Lots to talk about. Cars, music, especially postseason baseball. Joe, it's always a blast, man. Talk to you next time. Thanks, Tommy. Great job as always, buddy. Thank you. The Book of Joe podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.